0: the moment you've all been waiting for, it's time
1: for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast.
2: It's Tuesday, December 26, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 304 and 305. Make sure to subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the steak for Breakfast Linktree, Little Shake the Show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social.
3: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to our big post-Christmas edition of the show today. I'm Roan Noah's here. Yup. We've got a great slate of guests coming in today. Columnist Kenny Cody will be here. Host of Battleground Live, Sean Parnell, will be joining us soon. New York Young Republican Clubs, Paul and Grassi, will be joining us. And we'll dive into the law with... Dylan Law Center Attorney Ron Coleman. Lots of breaking news. We're going to read in between the Christmas messaging that was put out over the holiday. We also asked the question if Lisa Monaco does an interview with the ABC and nobody watches, did it ever really happen? We'll confirm that the multiverse is real, as we do often on the show, and we'll do a little 2024 projections. But before we get into any of our interviews, let's just jump into the headlines and change the way you consume your news, Smokey. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There
4: are rules. <laughs>
1: Today, Junior, America. Stake four.
3: Baptist. So stand by.
0: Melania and I would like to wish everyone a happy, joyous, and wonderful Christmas season. In this holy time of year, Christians everywhere give thanks that over two thousand years ago, God sent His only Son into the world to be the Savior of all mankind. The birth of Jesus Christ is the true miracle we celebrate each Christmas. He is the ultimate source of our joy, our hope, and our sense of peace and goodwill as we gather with family and loved ones. It is such a great time of the year. This is why we can never stop saying that beautiful phrase, Merry Christmas. This holiday, we give thanks for many blessings God has bestowed upon us. We pray for the safety of our men and women in uniform at home and abroad, and we ask God to guide us, give us strength, and watch over us in this pivotal year ahead. With his help, by this time next year, we will be well on our way to making America safer, stronger, greater, and more prosperous than ever before. Once again, Melania and I wish you a very Merry Christmas. God bless you all. May 2024 be the best year of our lives.
3: All right, everybody, jumping into the news. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast. This, of course, is Steak for Breakfast. I'm Noah's joining me today. Hello. And that was President Donald Trump wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas. Noah, did you have a Merry Christmas? I did. It was actually uh, not too bad, uneventful, kind of chill. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, I had a great time as well. Spent some time off from work with family. We did the uh, Celebration of Seven Fishes on Christmas Eve, as is Italian tradition in my family. And then uh, I, I brought it home last night, Christmas night, with a little stuffed mani a large pot of gravy filled with meat. We had meatballs, we had sausage, we had huge pork butt and little steak brajol in there as well. It was fantastic. Nice.
2: I, I picked up an extra forklifting shift just so I could uh, allow some of the other people with
3: kids to do more of their own uh, family-style stuff. That cargo is not going to forklift itself. Nope. And again, that was some... Holiday messaging, we're going to read in between the lines here in our first new segment from the 45th President of the United States. Seems to be in the driver's seat to become the 47th President of the United States as well. Noah, when you hear Donald Trump talk about, you know, a holiday message and that he hopes 2024 is going to be the best year of our lives, we all know it's not going to be, but 2025 surely can. Um, There's a long fight ahead. It's only going to intensify heading into this year. What do you think when you hear... You know, him talking about the birth of Jesus, saying Merry Christmas, and all of those wholesome messages that we need during this holiday season.
2: That's good to have those wholesome messages, but I have to go back to, you know, the previous thing we were talking about where 2024 should be the the best year of our lives. I, I think even if after 2024 we get Trump in office, it's going to be an uphill battle trying to just negotiate millions and millions of people that are going to be not, enthused enthused about a trump being president and b the other group of millions of people that have just come in that aren't going to assimilate into society and start their own weird little uh, roving bands of
3: lawlessness warlords yeah we'll get into those border numbers a little bit later in the uh podcast today and you know what was kind of weird to me i was i was was watching you know I, i i went and peeked in on a lot of our congressional friends people in the senate we didn't get the all-time hood banger from Rand Paul. He did put out a large thread on Festivus. He did have a couple of like corresponding videos. He wished everybody, him, his wife, his father, and his mother, came and wished everybody a very merry Christmas.
2: Speaking of hood bangers, there's not a live cam in the Senate chambers, are there?
3: <laughs> oh God, we're not <laughs> going to go there. <laughs> oh, <ew. laughs> no, it, it's the truth. But you know, you know, every all the congressmen and women who frequent with the show put out nice, wholesome holiday messaging. But there was one that was kind of lacking. Although we saw some. Brief clips of Joe Biden out in public doing some last minute Christmas shopping and frequenting some coffee shops in Delaware heading into the Christmas holiday. We we did not get a full on holiday message from the forty sixth president or lack thereof. Nothing like we got just two years ago yesterday, Noah, when we received speaking of hood bangers, this one.
5: That's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful
0: Day Christmas. Won.
6: Yeah, I hope
0: you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas, and let's go,
2: Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Jesus. Talk about being unaware of what's going on in the world.
3: No, and for a lot of people who might have been taking some time off on the news this week, uh, there was some other stuff going on. It was pretty interesting to see that the 44th president of the United States was rolled out to deliver a holiday message, and we're going to get to that in just a bit. But before we do, Donald Trump did put out some heaters on his true social account over the course of the last few days. I think it would not do anyone justice to anyone not to go back and cover them. This one's going to be Donald Trump's Merry Christmas message in print, which was a little bit opposite (laughs) to what he delivered in his video message. Merry Christmas to all, including Crooked Joe Biden's Only Hope, Deranged Jack Smith, the out-of-control lunatic who just hired outside attorneys fresh from the swamp, unprecedented to help him with his poorly executed witch hunt against Trump and MAGA included. Also are the world leaders, both good and bad, but none of which are as evil and sick as the thugs we have here inside our country with their open borders, inflation, Afghanistan, surrender, green news, scam, mm. high taxes, no energy independence, woke military, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Iran, electric car lunacy, and much, much more are looking to destroy our once great USA. May they rot in hell. Nice again. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> except the except those guys. <laughs> that was that was a true social banger from Donald Trump, and uh, you know, it, it's the truth. Uh, the lawfare is obviously ramped up. We had the Colorado ruling just over a week ago. Now, you know, we've got Jack Smith getting denied at the Supreme Court, but it's not going to slow him down into the persecution of Donald Trump in regard to his special counsels and Joe Biden just seemed to be absent from the you know messaging cycle in regards to the Christmas season. It was pretty funny, too. And, you know We did reference the Let's Go Brandon that we got back a few years ago, but the only thing they showed about Joe Biden's phone calls was like a still image of him and his wife on the phone supposedly making phone calls to people, spreading holiday cheer. You know they do that to a lot of uh, American men and women servicemen. It's oh, like one step above a robo-dialer. <laughs> like,
2: I would be so unenthused to get that call. Like, at this point... It's insulting. Like, wait, who's on? Wait, who? Yeah, no. I'm
3: trying to order a pizza. Let's, let's get our fucking priorities in order here. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah, guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, no matter what platform it's on, hopefully Apple and Spotify, but you could also find us on iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts as well. Make sure you're subscribed to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. That means you're hitting the plus button or the follow button on any of those applications, and that's downloading to your electronic device. Helps us out big-time massages. The algorithms makes us more present in the suggestions of podcasts in reference to politics, and definitely in the Apple Top 100. Then on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. I did mention Barry Hussein Obama Mm. and his Christmas messaging which I thought was kind of weird that they rolled him out instead of Joe Biden. But Eat the sausage? That's Andrew Cuomo. Is it? I like where you're going with this one. <laughs> Are you talking about Big Mike? <laughs> yeah. Big Mike! There you go. Let's hear what the 44th president had to say in lieu of Joe Biden in regards to Christmas messaging.
1: Hey, everybody. This season is about giving.
6: <laughs> and in addition to family and friends this is an opportunity for us to give back uh, to our communities in some ways Uh, whether it's checking in on a neighbor uh, volunteering for uh, a food drive or a present
1: drive uh, you know being part of this broader community where we all are counting on each other Uh, that's what
2: like michelle's spirit
1: (laughs) these holidays
6: are about i hope all of you have a wonderful holiday uh, and i'm looking
3: forward to seeing you in the new year (laughs) So even though there was a Jesus-themed song playing in the background, there was no mention of the birth of the Savior of the world. In addition to that, the word Christmas wasn't uttered once. He also didn't talk about kayaking or or going into doing any shallow lake swimming either, which I thought was kind of weird based on some of the recent reports coming out of Martha's Vineyard. But hey, breathwork. (laughs) <laughs> no it, it it was it was just weird you know and, and i saw a lot of commentary on these posts a lot of people in in the conservative side and in america first were like we should honestly just amend the constitution to let this motherfucker run against donald trump and end the debate because obviously that's what we're going against right now you know when you look at all the people from the biden regime who were you know massive components or essentially junior staffers when Barack Obama was president that are running major agencies. Now we'll hear from one just a little bit. I I'm pretty sure that just about nobody saw Lisa Monaco's Biden exclusive with MSNBC over the weekend, but yeah, no one cares. We're going to be bringing you the lowlights of it as well. Some, some pretty alarming stuff in there, but here's the thing we've seen Hillary Clinton added to the campaign recently. We've seen Barack Obama doing a lot more FaceTime. He did do the Obamacare 2.0 commercial with Joe Biden. Uh, Why,
2: what is the benefit of him doing more FaceTime for him?
3: Retention of power Because remember Joe Biden's the empty suit at the top of the chain, but look at all the people from the Obama administration who are now running you have Jake Sullivan, Lisa Monaco, Victoria Newland, yeah. John Kerry, Hillary Clinton's back in the fold now. and then you have all these radical progressives that have come in. you've got you know uh, Randy Levine at, at HSS. you've got Xavier Bixera, who was just a radical massive lunatic out here in California for years before he's the head yeah, of the, he was a mess. And and what do you think a second administration uh, of Joe Biden being the head of it looks like more people brought in? What would you like? Gavin Newsom is the secretary of state of the United uh, States?
2: Yeah. I just don't ever want to hear him talk or see his face again. It, it's wild. Although it, he did have a positive thing to say about not uh, having Trump be removed from the, the ballot in California. He said it was undemocratic.
3: There's so many like, you know, when Donald Trump went out there for the wildfires, they have like Trump Newsom. The, the little camp with the energized eyes as memes under, just to trigger all the people on the left. Yeah. Cause they hate when those two agree on stuff. And unfortunately at some points they both have to Oh Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's just crazy. I to mean, he
2: can't seem like a total fucking slithery psycho
3: all the time. Slithery snake, <laughs> slithery little snake. There was so much gossip going around on how Joe Biden was absent from this holiday season. the, Government answered in the only way they seem to know how. Last night, apparently, Joe Biden authorized. No, oh, I thought you were going to say drone strikes. Three strikes. No, oh, shit, you did say drone <laughs> strikes. In Iraq, versus Iran proxies for supposed Houthi bombings of an American position inside the former Saddam Hussein RAN nation. Mm. Um, this comes on the stems of an attack on, on a U.S. air base and a cargo station where three U.S. servicemen were hurt one critically injured but it seems like we just you know went back to old reliable and the the holiday drone strikes to take all the rest out of what
2: them. what did we hit who did we hit did we we hit like a garage where somebody was doing their band practice the hootie and the blowfish <laughs>
3: they do like what is it aspirin manufacturing plants <laughs> <Yeah>. and funerals
2: <laughs> So, I mean, the funerals, it's like a one-stop shop. There's already at least one hole.
3: I thought, you know, if this, if Barack Obama's video would have came out a few hours later, he just would have been like Farmer Franning his nipples <laughs> because you know how much he loves a good drone strike. Oh, God. But, you know, when you talk about the messaging and, and how they tried to put Barack Obama and ram him through, figuratively speaking, I'm not talking about him in Big Mike's bedroom politics anymore.
4: But... <laughs> <So,
3: laughs> That we do have to go back to an all-time hood banger. And we are getting ready to jump in with Sean Parnell, who's going to come in and provide a little bit of commentary on everything that's going on in the news right now. But before we do, I've got one more clip. This came out a little bit earlier in the year when Barack Obama was out on the campaign trail, midterm election cycle, stumping for Joe Biden and his candidates trying to defeat the red wave. Let's take a look at a little bit of the
1: Democrat playbook in real time. Understand, it's not necessary for people to believe this information, in order to weaken democratic institutions. You just have to flood a country's public square with enough raw sewage. You just have to raise enough questions, spread enough dirt, plant enough conspiracy theorizing. I was gonna say Michelle Obama has a dick. That citizens no longer know what to believe. Once they lose trust in their leaders, the leaders lose control in mainstream media, oh. in political institutions, in each other, in the possibility of truth, the game's won. Pretty
3: telling there. I mean, that's not the first time we've played that clip on the show, Noah, but it's, it's one. And again, they're talking about the mis, diss and malinformation that they accuse the right of putting out there. When in all reality.
2: Throughout the entirety of, say, COVID, for instance, the mis, dis, and mal information was coming directly from them about it being safe and effective, something you need to do, something that would benefit children, the mass work, yada, yada, yada. You know, God forbid your your air conditioner vents in your car aren't covered with masks. Like, I'm surprised that wasn't a fucking... Uh, we've actually had uh, n- new data that says that y- you need to uh, put the... The masks over the vent in your car. That way the, the, the road COVID doesn't come in through your air conditioner. Vent your masks.
3: <laughs> Mask your vents. No, it, it, it's the truth. But, you know, if you want to hear the Democrat playbook summarized in under a minute, there it is right there. And, you know, it, it's just going into this election season that we're going to be hitting in full stride.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's when the people stop trusting the government... What took you so long? Mm-hmm. Like, what I mean, there is a long laundry list of bullshit that the government has put its citizenry through over the past decades. Correct. Whether it be, you know, testing chemicals on people, just taking people's rights away willy-nilly like they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy.
3: No, it certainly is. And, and, you know, what happens in 21 days when we get through the Iowa caucuses and then just a few days later on January 23rd when we're done with New Hampshire and Donald Trump's Primary record is 2-0, and and he's well on the way to securing the Republican nomination before Super Tuesday. A lot of their manufactured narrative, things like everything stemming from Ron DeSantis' legitimacy, the the campaign rival that they're trying to make, Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump, and everything in between on the Democrat side just all falls apart. Do you think that eventually,
2: like when it comes up closer to the actual election time, that Joe Biden's going to have to do something To stem the flow of migrants coming across the border like change something reinstitute remain in Mexico or something as much as that would make them cry that they would have to do it would almost be like well we need to do something positive that makes us look strong because strength is not what this administration is is exuding right now.
3: I see where you're going with it. I don't disagree with you. I think Catherine Hedridge had a really good take on it. We'll get to it a little bit later in the podcast today. We're getting ready to jump in with Sean Parnell right now. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. pillow king of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed Long-standing My Pillow, and now have the My Pillow version 2.0. You enter promo code Stake at checkout, you're gonna get buy one get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like My Pillow dog beds, the Airlandell version one and two, my slippers, and Giza Dream everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you enter promo code Stake here, you're gonna get 25% off your order, or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday post-Christmas edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the host of Battleground Live. He's also a combat veteran and a New York Times bestselling author, one of our great friends, Sean Parnell. Welcome back to the show. Hey, what's up? Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy
1: New Year. Uh, it's great to be here.
3: Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Hopefully you and your family had a great one. Want to tell our listenership a little bit about what you guys did?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, first of all, San- we were up very late meeting with Santa preparing for five, with, for five kids, you know. Um, But we had all, you know, you mentioned before we went live, you come from a big Italian family. So do I. Uh, We had all 25 of them over to the house uh, the day before Christmas Eve. And I mean, it was amazing. And and the fact that I'm from Western Pennsylvania and a huge Steelers fan and we got a victory. uh, Everyone's wearing their Christmas jerseys. I mean, that's how you know you're in Western Pennsylvania and do it when people wear their Christmas uh, or their uh, Steeler jerseys to church. Um, But but yeah, it was awesome. And Christmas Eve with the family and we did our family traditions. And then Christmas morning, I mean, there's just nothing better.
3: No, it's the truth. You know, me and my son sat down and watched the Giants lose yesterday. And uh, he was kind of bummed on Christmas morning that Santa didn't bring him a Tommy DeVito jersey. But I said, let's just wait till this season plays out and see how things goes. Long story short, he was benched by halftime and uh, probably not going (laughs) to play the rest of the season. So I said, listen, when you're playing little kids baseball and you hit a home run, you can do the Italian hand when uh, you cross home plate. But as far as the you know legend of Tommy DeVito goes. We're gonna have to put a pause on that for right now and see how well, they draft.
1: They played. Hey, they played the Eagles pretty tough though, didn't they? I mean, it, they made it was an exciting game. We don't do
3: too much sports here on the show, but I tell you what, the NFC has a lot of problems. I watched other games over this weekend. I think even a crappier KC team or, or more worrisome a Baltimore Ravens squad who went into San Francisco and kicked their ass last night looks a lot Crazy. tougher than any of the teams in the NFC do right now. I think Dallas and. Uh, some of the other teams at the top, the Eagles, and they're just pretenders. And you know it's going to be interesting come February to see who's going to win the Super Bowl this year.
1: Yeah, the AFC has a lot of talented teams for sure. I mean, you look at just—I mean, some of the records of their wild cards. I mean, the Steelers are still on the hunt. I think they have like a twelve percent chance. But but the Baltimore Ravens looked very very good. I mean, we don't—I don't do a whole lot of politics on Battleground Live either, except that politics has seeped into the NFL. And I had to laugh when. I saw the Steelers head coach like wearing an equity, you know, I'm like equity in the NFL. Like, can you imagine if you got if you were like on the cusp and got cut from an NFL team, and <laughs> you see your head coach wearing an equity jersey. You're like, well, you didn't give a damn about equity when you cut my ass, you yeah. know. Yeah. So uh, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that we can't escape this stuff. And, you know, for a long time, guys, I I stopped watching the NFL for a couple of years. And then I started th- saying to myself, like, wait, why am I letting these? disgusting communists shape what I do you know the vast majority of NFL players I mean they don't believe in that crap I feel like they're dragged along by some of the owners and their and, and the NFL in general and Goodell but they don't believe that why why would I let these commies determine what I do so I went back to watching and I haven't looked back
3: no it's just it's the truth you know that you see there's a lot more of that woke messaging on the back of people's helmets and then you could just tell who's kind of bought and paid for and who's not
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's so true, and it, it like the whole like it's so stupid, guys. It's so dumb. Like, choose love. What the hell does that mean? Or stop hate. You know, <laughs> it's Noah's favorite. And, and the the, mm-hmm. pre- the premise, of course, is that you know when you when you put those helmets, and the same thing is true for the phrase "Black Lives Matter." Right to to put that on your shirt, or or to to. To put that out there in any way, it means that black lives actually don't matter. And why you're wearing it is a testament that, yes, to you, black lives do matter. You know, and the same thing. Well, of course, black lives matter in America. All lives matter. And the whole premise of stop hate. Well, the opposite of that is this is how 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 sinister liberal messaging is and how it seizes on this social psychological component of americans who in our heart of hearts just want to be good people well to say stop hate means that there is hate well of course there's hate everywhere in the world but america is the greatest country on the face of the earth like we have always sought to right the ship there's not a whole hell of a lot of hate in this country unless it exists on the radical left who say you're a you know free Palestine whack job in New York attacking the cops yesterday. I mean, the hate seems to be ex- exclusively on the left in today's day and age. It's sickening. Yeah, it
3: was pretty wild what happened in Times Square yesterday. and uh, Crazy. You know, thoughts and prayers out to all the police officers who were injured. Obviously, there were some. I saw it on video. But then, you know, the, the, these groups that are funding this, you know, protesting ahead of the 2024 election, is, which is where we want to kind of touch with you today, Sean. You know, no one finished the year stronger uh, right now heading into the... 2024 than Donald Trump did. You know, his rise in the polls, his hurtling, and I guess we could stick in the sports thread here, stiff arming of some of the lawfare that's <laughs> being waged against them, especially with Jack Smith and the special counsels has run into some big roadblocks over the course of the last, you know, few weeks. And then you see uh, some of the rulings coming out about using the 14th Amendment. Obviously, we know the Supreme Court's going to overturn the Colorado one, but in other states like Wisconsin and Michigan, we've seen Donald Trump win without any you know, kind of a barrier set up in his way. But as we get ready to enter 2024 and we're now 21 days before the Iowa caucuses, how are you seeing the president shaping up? And, you know, we've kind of decided that Donald Trump's going to have this thing wrapped up in the first five. He'll be north of 1200 delegates and essentially be the GOP nominee before Super Tuesday. How are you looking at it?
1: Well, I would just say this. I mean, has there ever been a time in your lives, guys, and, and, and I mean this, where, F- where there was a front runner in a presidential primary that was as far ahead of Donald Trump, yet despite all of that, and I mean this, a plurality of polls, and you know, I don't trust one-off polls. I'm sure you don't either. Polls were a joke. Sure. But I do trust in trends. And when you see almost every single poll show Donald Trump not only dominating the primary, but beating Biden in a general election to include in swing states, I believe that and I think Donald Trump in the latest poll that came out just this morning or yesterday, I can't quite remember, 70 percent in the GOP primary. And then so I, I've, I've never in my lifetime seen in a presidential primary one candidate be so dominant, yet the media, by and large, just desperate for a horse race. And in and this and, and enter Nikki Haley, right, mm-hmm. where there's this fake narrative. And that's what it is. You, you see this fake narrative on on Fox News and in, in other even on other conservative outlets, more conservative outlets, you say conservative. Um, but uh, and I think it's just because the donors want a horse race. They, the, the donors want Nikki Haley. And so when you look at Nikki Haley, Right. I mean, Donald Trump is the true outsider here. I don't care if he's been in the Oval Office before. Republicans and Democrats both don't want him to be president. That's why he's my guy. mean, he I'm, I am you know, he's my guy. And there is a plurality of Americans not to overuse the word plurality, <laughs> but there's a plurality of Americans that, that absolutely want that outsider that that aren't affiliated with a party. And Donald Trump represents that. But look at look at Biden and look at Nikki Haley on all the big issues of the day. Ukraine, China military industrial complex, Wall Street. I mean, they are two sides of the same coin, right? Which is why who gives a damn? The the uniparty, as it were, doesn't really give a damn. Biden, Nikki Haley, it's all the same to them. But that's why Trump is so important, and nobody has more momentum going into twenty twenty four than that guy. He's just absolutely killing it.
3: No, it's the truth. And then when you see, you know, it's so hard to. Not notice how bad the establishment, the mainstream media, what's left of the print press. And obviously, like you mentioned, the lobbyist groups and billionaire donor classes, they want this horse race for the fact of, you know, just having something relevant to talk about up until Donald Trump gets through the first five primaries or Super Tuesday. And and here's the thing, you know, when you see some of these polls where Nikki Haley out of the 538 and RCP averages over the course of November and December is, is tracking around 10%. And then polls start coming out, showing her within nine points in one poll in New Hampshire and then one within the margin of error. You could tell that it's manufactured. You know, there's also been a lot of talk of Nikki Haley for VP. We think it's a joke. We've obviously asked a lot of people who are closer connected to the Trump campaign, and they kind of laugh it off the same way as well. But this is things that are manufactured by Ron DeSantis' internal staffers to stay relevant, obviously people in and around the Haley campaign to make her more marketable and presentable as a package with Donald Trump, and then the mainstream media who wants to see him fail. But we all know at the end of the day, the idea of Nikki Haley is the same thing that they did with, you know, Ron DeSantis about nine, ten months ago. A lot of people have, like, kind of goldfish memories in America First here who watch the media constantly mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, can't remember that we've seen this
1: before, and it, it just seems like they're up to their old tricks. Oh, it's so true, and and this narrative—I gotta say—and uh, and I saw DeSantis talk about this uh, lead up to Christmas or something, where he's talking about how the establishment Democrats want Donald Trump, which is why they're prosecuting him in the way that they are. I'm telling you, <laughs> guys, that is that's a that is crazy, and I see mainstream conservative pundits pushing this crap they're trying to throw the guy off of ballots okay they're trying to kick him off of back and in in colorado it worked and look i hope the supreme court reverses it i do but what if they don't right and and what if they don't and believe me i speak as someone who has had two cases on elections at the united states supreme court in the last three years i mean of course you know In my cases, you had Thomas and Alito and I think Gorsuch and a couple of other conservatives dissenting in my favor. But by and large, the court let me down. And the dissents on those opinions were like, basically, Justice Thomas, and I'm paraphrasing here, was like, hey, like at some point, we're going to have to weigh in here and give some structure on what it means to conduct a, a legal election in this country. But the majority of the court, some of whom Donald Trump appointed, were just complete. They were just completely disappointing. And so my point is, though you look at this narrative it's a completely fake narrative if the if the democrats <laughs> like the reason why they're trying to kick the dude off the ballot and throw him in jail for life is because they think that he can win i mean that's it that, that's it believe me like in six months like i i wouldn't put it past the democrats and you, you saw Catherine harridge i'm sure over the weekend sure. talk about a black swan event um that scares me. I've been talking about that on my show for a long time, but I would not put it past the Democrats, especially those in Washington, D.C., to try to throw Trump in prison. They are not beyond that. The modern day left is the greatest existential threat to America that, that we have had in a very, very long time. And when they have the power of the government and, and the levers of our law enforcement behind them, it makes them even more dangerous. And there's nothing else in this world that's even close to that. And so I hope the Supreme Court comes through. I I really do. But I look, guys, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but I don't have my hopes up.
3: No, you're a realist. I mean, here's the thing. Hillary Clinton appointed as a high-level national staffer on Joe Biden's re-election campaign just a few weeks ago. Right. Barack Obama activated over the holiday vacation. We get a Christmas message from Barack Obama, but not from Joe Biden. Pretty interesting the way that kind of went out. And then for everyone... Is that
2: like when KJP accidentally tweeted on the wrong account?
3: True story. But, but, yeah. but, 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 but I mean, as soon as we cut with you, Sean, we're going to be jumping into it. Lisa Monaco, who's the Assistant U.S. Attorney General of the United States, essentially... The pseudo attorney general of the United States working alongside or even ahead of Merrick Garland goes out and does this big telling interview heading into Christmas break. Nobody watched it. So, you know, it's one of those things, less people were even talking about it. We're going to be having the lowlights from that in our next news segment, but... It's definitely the case. It's They are so scared of Donald Trump, and they know what they're up against and when he becomes the nominee, that they're going to throw everything and more, even things that we can't even think about or don't want to think about in the meantime at him. Sean, this was awesome sitting down with you today. We're obviously going to be looking to have you back at some time in January. We wish you, obviously, the best of the rest of your holiday season and, and a happy new year. We're going to be live-linking your Rumble channel so everybody could go and subscribe to Battleground Live. Um, you want to tell everybody where they can check you out on social media as well?
1: Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter and Getter and Truth at Sean Parnell USA. Obviously, uh, Battleground Live with Sean Parnell on Rumble. I mean, we go live at 5 p.m. We're doing a live show all week at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And look, guys, the voices that are out there talking about Trump as an outsider are exceedingly rare in today's day and age. I mean, it's unbelievable how... Mainstream media, to include conservative outlets, have completely ostracized Trump. So, independent media like shows like Steak for Breakfast are more important now than ever before. So subscribe to Steak for Breakfast, you know, subscribe to Gone Live uh, and you'll get the truth there. So uh, I appreciate it, gentlemen, I and I, I look forward to coming back with you in January.
3: No, absolutely fantastic. So many great friends that we, you know, have crossing our paths as well. I can think of David Pollack, obviously Savage Rich Barris, who, you know, coming on yeah. <laughs> both of our shows as well. Listen, we talked about polls at the beginning of this segment. If I ever have a question on anything, he's the first person I text. I'm sure you do exactly the same thing. I do. He's the best. He really is. No, he certainly is. And it was great sitting down today with combat veteran, New York Times bestselling author, and the host of Battleground Live, Mr. Sean Parnell. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a happy new year. Yep. Happy new year, guys. Take
7: care. 24 election is quickly approaching and Donald Trump is showing no signs of tempering his dangerous rhetoric. For months, the disgraced ex-president has spent his time on the campaign trail, echoing the language of dictators like Adolf Hitler. You may be asking yourself, Why is a former president stealing lines from history's worst figures? Well, because it's working. A new Des Moines Register and NBC News poll of likely Iowa Republican caucus goers reveals that voters are embracing Trump's authoritarian language with a greater percentage saying they are more likely to vote for him after he referred to his political adversaries as, quote, vermin. (laughs) Even more concerning, they support his racist attacks on immigrants, including his remarks that they are, quote, poisoning the blood of the country, which he doubled down on this week.
0: They come from Africa. They come from Asia. They come from South America, but not just South America. They're all over the world. They dump them on the border and they pour into our country. It's crazy what's going on. They're ruining our country. And it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. They're destroying the fabric of our country. And we're going to have to get them
7: out. So repugnant. But notice which uh, continent so he left out. Europe. Trump's saying the quiet part out loud. If it's not that he's anti-immigration. but are they referencing Europe? Because like are having a fucking hard white. time, too. And these aren't just vague threats. Trump's authoritarian ambitions for a second term are being laid out right before our eyes. So he's not just threatening an immigration crackdown. He's planning sweeping raids, detention camps and mass deportations. Yes. Yes. He's not just threatening revenge. He's plotting to use the Justice Department to go after his political adversaries. Wait, he's not just right threatening now? to turn the lights out on democracy. He's promising it. And yet, some polls show Trump narrowly pulling ahead of President Biden in key states, which seems to have caught the president's attention. According to new reporting by The Washington Post, President Biden recently met with his closest aides to discuss the drop in support.
2: Seriously, they're going to say that Trump's going to use the Justice Department to go after his political rivals? Yeah. Like, for example, what's going on right now? I've tabbed it quantum retardary. It's, yeah, I don't even know if quantum
3: is the right fucking unit of measure. Wow. But that's where uh, one of my favorite numbers, Fafillion, lies. It's mm. a real number. No, that was a little bit of the holiday messaging that the mainstream media, that was MSDNC there, laying into the 45th president and talking off of a heavily edited video from some of the speaking events he did in Iowa last week, which we covered here on the show. Donald Trump in his Friday video-a-thon from Mar-a-Lago clarified in a full statement what he meant by talking about the immigration problems and, and the disaster that Joe Biden's caused for this country with our wide open U.S. southern border. Let's hear it.
0: Illegal immigration is poisoning the blood of our nation. They're coming from prisons, from mental institutions, from all over the world. Without borders and fair elections you don't have a country. Make America great again. We must win in 2024 or we will not have a nation. Thank you. And it's
2: true. Like this is an unsustainable amount of people that are coming in and it's only going to cause chaos. It's going to reap just the most dangerous cities like Ch- Chicago for instance. You thought that place couldn't get worse? Just wait until there's just roving bands of pirates
3: and look at all of And the-
2: cities that are literally no-go zones. Look that- at all the
3: citizens that are standing up to the radical liberals who are you know the mayors and and governing bodies in cities like chicago saying like this is bullshit
2: now we're we're gonna have we're gonna have locations in the united states that well we already have locations in the united states that are basically no-go zones like if you go to the the you know really dangerous parts of certain you know large cities or whatever it's just like yeah you probably shouldn't go there but it's gonna be like nobody should go there if you're not like on the team of the people that are that are living there now like that's that that's an
3: island We're going to be jumping into this right now. So Lisa Monaco, who's the Deputy U.S. Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland's right-hand woman, how dare me, Mm. who a lot of people accuse of running the Justice Department or bringing the radical ways that they're executing themselves across the United States to the agency, sat down with ABC News for an interview heading into Christmas, and I'm going to ask the question right now, if Lisa Monaco sits down for an interview and nobody watches it, did it really happen? Mm. I think it's very important that we have to point out someone who's an Obama administration holdover and in the class of the Valerie Jarrett's and the Tory Newland's and the Jake Sullivan's and the Tony Blinken's of the world as people who are back to make sure Barack Obama's legacy is preserved through Joe Biden's first term and never defeated moving forward is now becoming a more prevalent face heading into this big election cycle year. Although we take a lot of time off, both figuratively and literally during the holiday season, we can't miss what the goals are in between all of the noise of the Christmas season. We're gonna start off now, of course, Monaco blaming both Republicans and Congress for the problems down the U.S. southern border. Perfect. Let's jump into it.
4: 3 million roughly uh, case backlog in terms of immigration cases, many of these asylum cases. It, it creates a feel that because many of these people are going to stay while these cases are being resolved because of the backlog, that it is unfair to people mm-hmm. who are going through the system the proper way. How do you address that? And can you get that backlog
5: down? Yeah, look, this is a real challenge. The Justice Department operates the immigration courts with immigration judges. Um, and the they are essential to a fair and efficient um, immigration system. And we have been resolving a record number of cases in the last couple of years, oh but um, we still have far too few immigration judges, which is why we've asked Congress um, in our latest budget request for a lot more money and authority to hire more immigration judges. I wanna talk about-
4: You know, and
3: when she mentions that, yes, you may have included that they have the need and asked for budgetary appropriations in the bill for the Justice Department for more immigration judges. But they also asked for 87,000 more armed IRS agents and a brand new, like, $40 billion. They're really stuck on the 87,000 IRS agents. Headquarters for the FBI. And it's just one of these things where, you know, they news pieces like this that are not on cable news are for two people and two people groups alone. The boomers? who just sop up their news from everywhere and the politically uneducated who may turn on a show like this before the NFL pregame kicks off or just have some stuff on in the background. You know, you, you're going through the guide and you see news, you throw it on while you're baking cookies. And then all of a sudden you start to hear this stuff. Like I know there's a problem on the border. This person's the assistant U S attorney general of the United States. I just watched a video of all military
2: age males for five minutes streaming past a
3: camera but she's saying this is republicans fault because they won't budget for it that's why there's a problem at the u.s southern border this is the kind of stuff that they're trying to spoon feed you people during the holiday season
2: yeah and it's the the unfortunate thing is that there are so many people that believe everything that they're told sure but there's a lot of people that are cracking around the edges now and whether or not they're going to admit it and they're going to be like well i'm I could still never vote for Trump. They're still not going to vote for the other guy. Yeah. Which is just as good.
3: It's 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 pretty wild and and you know when this person's a pro, she's not some novice who's going to go in there and be like eh, oh, eh, oh, the whole time over. She knows exactly what she's going to say and these prepared, probably prearranged questions and you know, first they go for blame. Remember remember the de- Democrat strategy. Uh rejection, deflection, projection. Those are their three interaction only in the U.S. Senate signature moves now she wants everybody to feel sorry for the FBI agents who the Republican Congress won't fund check this one out Noah
4: and you know I know you don't want to talk about any particular candidate but when people are using words like poison the blood and calling DOJ officials thugs is that helpful
5: well of course it's not helpful I get something called urgent reports these are reports that come in from the field from U.S. attorneys all across the country And on a weekly basis, sometimes more often, I am getting reports about threats to public officials, threats to our prosecutors, threats to law enforcement agents who work in the Justice Department, threats to judges. In fact, just this week, just this week, Pierre, we've had cases involving threats to kill FBI agents, a Supreme Court justice, and three presidential candidates.
4: Three.
5: That's just this week. Um
3: Which three? You want to talk about just in the last 24 hours? I'll give you the counterpoint to that, Noah. Marjorie Taylor Mm Greene, House Republican Brandon Williams, Uh and Jack Posobiec at his parents' house. What do they have in common? Death threats? They were all swatted on Christmas. Swatted on Christmas? Yeah.
2: How is that even a thing anymore? That they can't... Well, obviously I know how it's a thing, but... They can't like deconflict and figure the shit out.
3: Yeah, it's just this is what they want you to think in parallel to what they're actually doing and is happening in real time. You know, this lady will get up in front of a microphone and it's just so sad. To see. These FBI agents that are working so hard to protect America, they're getting death threats. Meanwhile, while they're swatting somebody on Christmas. Yeah, she's got the earpiece and listening to the, you know, FBI drive a, a tank with a shield on the front of the cabin <laughs> on the front of the cannon through somebody's front door while they're swatting them because someone called from a burner phone saying that Jack Posobiec murdered his wife and children and is now hiding in his parents' house. That's that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just like a simple knock and talk at that point. A swatting is a life or death situation Yeah, in a lot of cases. I mean, you you
2: swat the wrong people, then Tannerite Roombas go up, you know?
3: Or you swat the wrong people, and then, like, they just don't know how to... I mean, comply in the a very emotional moment and something bad could happen. What if one of these people wound up getting shot because they didn't open up their door fast enough?
2: Or they did open their door, but they were holding a TV remote or something.
3: Yeah, it's, it's wild and, and just goes into the absolute lunacy that the left kind of projects while they're doing literally the exact same thing they're complaining the other side is doing. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, make sure you're subscribed to the show. It helps us out big time. Remember, Steak for Breakfast will always be 100 percent free. We'll never have a give send go. We'll never sell merch. We just want you to subscribe to our free podcast on one of these major platforms, especially Apple and Spotify. Hit the plus button. Hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, on social media, Twitter, get her True Social, and Instagram. Loved everybody's holiday messaging. Love everybody's memes. Everyone that keeps sending me Dragon Ball Z-related material, I love that (laughs) as well. Find our accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. We're going to stick in the thread right here of of this interview with Lisa Monaco. She was talking about the special counsel. It's independence worthiness. (laughs) I don't even know how to. These people double-talked the entire time. And when you when you listen to some of the content that she was putting out there and the messaging that the Justice Department wants to portray as the victim here, you know, it's just absolutely mind-blowing to me that they're wheeling her out here still just under a year before the general election. It's a bold move. And it certainly is. And let's hear her try to talk around the fact that her and Merrick Garland are completely hands-off in regards to these special counsels.
4: I'm going to ask a couple questions that I hope get to transparency, uh, understanding the limits that you have to operate within. Can you assure the American public that special counsels Jack Smith, David Weiss, Robert Herb are operating without regard to anything but the facts and the law?
5: Yes. And the reason I say that, Pierre, is, look, these are um, matters of um, the utmost importance and significance. Cases of that level of significance um, are, it's exceptionally important that they are handled independently, confidentially, and free of any outside or inappropriate influence. And that's exactly why the attorney general appointed special counsels in the first place.
4: Just for the record, so the public can hear it from a top official at DOJ, has President Biden ever raised the classified documents investigation, the probe of Hunter? biden with you or or the ag tried to influence you has he ever done that in regard to president Don't lie. Trump?
5: no, no and the lie. attorney general has been exceptionally clear on this point <laughs> oh scissor me timbers
3: so awful you know this is this is what the people were fed uh, heading into the holidays and then and, and the christmas event this year it's just absolutely mind-blowing you know and, and it goes outside uh, of, of the knowledge parameters that Noah and I hear on the show and that's why we're going to be bringing in Dylan Law Group attorney and what I like to consider a legal expert Ron Coleman in just a minute. I do have one more clip from this though and it's really important that we kind of stay in the thread here and give you guys as much of this interview that was made available to the public following it being on television the other day and you know probably not the last time that we're going to be hearing from Lisa Monaco either. Let's check it out.
4: Talk about the toxic environment here in Washington.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: You have Republicans who will say that the Justice Department is full of political operatives who are working to help President Biden and hurt President Trump. Literally saying and what's even going to say on. that the FBI <laughs> should be defunded. Uh, what's your reaction to that kind of language? And, and what do you say on behalf of DOJ?
5: Those claims bear no resemblance to the Justice Department that I know. The Justice Department that I know is filled with Mm. dedicated men and women, investigators, lawyers, prosecutors, analysts, professional staff, who get up every day, Pierre. They get up every day without regard to who's in the White House or who's in Congress. It really bothers me when uh, I hear those claims because um, it does a disservice to the men and women of the Justice Department. It contributes to the toxicity uh. um, that you're speaking about. Um, and
4: Political threats, the toxicity of your what city? What we've
5: seen is an unprecedented rise in threats to public officials across the board. Law enforcement agents, prosecutors, judges, um, and election officials. And we are seeing that and responding to it.
3: Does it surprise anybody? That every time Cash Patel's on the show, he makes it his business to dunk on Lisa Monaco as she was one of the biggest proprietors and message carriers of the Russiagate and Spygate investigations. Wait, wait, that wasn't true? Stop it. <laughs> you want to know who else was listening and watching attentively? Our FBI agent. Besides that, to this interview. Hi. That would be Donald Trump. And you know that he was going to put out an absolute heater regarding this on true social. And thankfully I saved it. So we're going to be able to hear it right now. Some softball questions from ABC fake news to AG Garland boss, Lisa Monaco. So there's Donald Trump already establishing that she's running the justice department. Not him. Has president Biden ever raised the classified documents investigation, the probe of Hunter Biden with you or the attorney general, or tried to influence you? Has he ever done that with regard to president Trump? Lisa Monaco, all caps, fake answer. No. And the attorney general has been exceptionally clear on this point. What a complete lie. He speaks to them all the time and he speaks to the deranged Jack Smith and others. She also speaks to the scum outside of her office, like Andrew Weissman, essentially her boss who has desperately fought for years to get Trump or the new attorney brought in to help derange Jack Smith. It's all about election interference. And Joe Biden was pushing Garland and Monaco to act and fast. They think the American public and even the Supreme Courts of the United States are stupid. No crooked Joe Biden has never spoken to Garland or Monaco about Hunter or Trump. That one gets... You ready for this one, Noah? Mm. Drum roll, please. Come on, Clark. Drum roll. Lie of the Year. What do you think? Awesome. Well, all we could do is... Tell you guys what's going on. It's been a, a pretty wild week in regards to that narrative right there, both the one that Lisa Monaco was trying to spew out on her ABC News interview and the one that Donald Trump seems to ram right through it with the actual truth. We're going to be asking a couple questions on this and some of the other stuff going on with the special investigations right now with attorney Ron Coleman. But before we do, let's check in with one of our partners.
2: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by ManRubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again. It can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram, ManRubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order.
3: All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Stake for Records podcast. He does a little commercial litigation speech and trademarks over at the Dylan Law Group. He's also the host of the Culmination podcast, one of our great friends. Mr. Ron Coleman, welcome back to the show.
6: Hey, guys, how you doing?
3: Well, we're doing great. I hope you had a very happy Hanukkah and uh, Christmas season and everything's going great with your family. What's new on your end?
6: Well, the big exciting news on my end is that um, my youngest son, who we call Avrami or Avrami, which is a uh, Yiddishized diminutive for Abraham, Avraham. Yeah, got engaged a couple weeks ago.
3: Nice. Congratulations. So that's,
6: thank you. So that's my youngest son, and um, he's getting married at the end of February. Uh, I've got two married sons, uh, each of whom have four children, and I've got that leaves us with one more at home after February, and wow. he happens to be a Rumi's twin. So... Uh, he should go pretty fast.
3: <laughs> Good for you. That's very Proof great. of concept. Big, happy, healthy family there. We love to hear it. And uh, Thank you. We're glad that you had a great holiday season, Ron. So, you know, some of the things we want to talk to you about, there was a lot of news getting shoved down our throats in regards to some of these big Trump cases heading into the holiday season. I think, you know, whether it's people doing best of shows on podcasts or in the mainstream media. <sighs> Or, or just kind of just throwing the headlines out there and then having a bunch of non-attorneys kind of deliberate over it before throwing it to a commercial and then talking about something else. It, it doesn't seem like we're getting, you know, dealt a, a great deal of real information and content. And that's why we kind of brought you on. You are the expert in these situations. We know you don't work on all of these cases as well, but we do consider you one here on Steak for Breakfast and love when you could come on and commentate on it. So I want to start off with the Colorado ruling. You know, you saw that thing that's going to be eventually heading to the Supreme Court and it's what essentially could move. Donald Trump from the ballot in the primary and then the general election here, you know, so many people have weighed in on the third and fifth articles of the 14th amendment of the constitution. And I hear a different answer from just about every single person that's, that's not a law professional. So do you want to kind of clarify what you kind of know about this situation and and then where people could kind of see that they're there when referencing it?
6: Yeah, actually um, there are several things going on here. And and actually I, I, to be honest, I have been pretty involved in in these cases, uh, including Maine and including Colorado and including most of the states, New York and New Jersey, where we've had great success. Um, Generally speaking, we're, this is not an issue. The issue of, of whether or not Donald Trump should be on the ballot is not a matter of state law. It is governed in, well, it can be a matter of state law, but these lawsuits and administrative uh, proceedings that have been brought to remove him from the ballot on the basis of the claim that the 14th Amendment, Section, uh, Article 5 of the 14th Amendment, uh, prohibits any person who has been involved in an insurrection from being uh, entitled to to be appointed or, or to serve in, as an officer of the United States uh, has got nothing to do with either running uh, as a candidate on a primary ballot or being elected to be president of the United States. The president of the United States is, according to the Constitution, someone who has to be a natural-born U.S. citizen, he has to have lived in the United States for 14 years, he has to be 35 those are the only qualifications. Um, the after the Civil War, there was an amendment to the Constitution that was passed that basically said, "We don't want anybody who fought against us in the Civil War running for uh, president, much less be I mean, running for for federal office." They weren't worried about president, uh, and that's why, in fact, it, it, scholars are very clear that the president is not one of the officers who is included in the uh, the wording of the, of the of that of the 14th amendment um, the, what you have is if if that person has engaged in armed insurrection against the united states which would have to be something that would be judicially determined then that person may not serve as an officer of the United States unless Congress votes to let him proceed anyway. In other words, there was an escape clause. There is no legislation, there is no what's called enabling legislation to effectuate the purposes of the 14th Amendment, Article 5. In modern times, there was one after the Civil War, it basically fell into desuetude, and every court besides the Colorado Supreme Court that has considered it, has agreed that this is what's called a non-justiciable political question. In other words, this is something for Congress to deal with, not for the courts. The courts, No, no state court and no federal court has jurisdiction to decide this constitutional law issue. Um, so what happened in Colorado, as you know, was... Uh, Exceptional is unusual. Uh, it's the first court that has finally taken the bait, and even then, in a, it did so in a one-vote majority. And it had a built-in stay, which requires that if there's a uh, an appeal to the United States Supreme Court, or, or an application for, cert, for for certiorari, a, a writ which is basically requesting the Supreme court to consider something on appeal, which is not obligated to do it is that decision is automatically stayed. So it is more of a symbolic and political decision. It does ultimately have to be addressed by the Supreme court, but there, you know, for, for many reasons, this is simply, I mean, one of which is Donald Trump never participated in an insurrection. Indeed, there was no insurrection, uh, And anyone who's been paying attention knows that this has been set up this way for a very long time, well before January 6th. But even without getting into the facts of it, there is simply no court that has any business getting involved in this. It's a matter of only Congress can deal with it. And Congress, as of this time, hasn't even legislated a way to do so.
3: Yeah, it's just wild the way this whole situation is developed. And it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. And like you said, what other states might try and take the bait. Ron, you know, as we headed into Christmas season, one of the other things i seen seen that, that I think probably interests you – as well jack smith wasn't having a great time as he thought he was having uh <coughs> y- you know when, when he started and and was appointed all of these special counsels by merrick garland there's two questions specifically i want to ask you on what's going on there number one the supreme court uh ruling that you know they basically denied his request for a, a speedy trial is the first one but then there's been some kind of murmurings on whether or not jack smith was actually you know qualified or was an appropriate uh Person to be appointed to this special counsel by Merrick Garland, heading into the start of all of these investigations. What do you think on both parts?
6: Yes, I mean that that was unsurprising. There is no government right to a speedy trial. It it would have been a, an extraordinarily novel interpretation. Uh, you know, ruling for the Supreme Court to 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 all of a sudden decide to interview. Look, keep keep in mind that as a general rule. The Supreme Court rarely is impressed by people claiming an emergency. <laughs> um, and here, there are lots of very good reasons why this should not have been deemed an emergency. There is no emergency. Uh, so what, one of the things that I have found actually intriguing is trying to figure out why Jack Smith thought he would get away with this. And I, the answer might be because he always has until now and it's amazing to think that a court finally stopped him at least slowed him down but that's a big deal because the since you know i think it's pretty clear to everyone that what the entire purpose of this litigation is that has very little to do with vindication of any legal right or addressing any legal wrong
3: it doesn't seem like there's too many people who are on board with a lot of these special counsels you know when you just look at it from a from an opinion of state ron as far as like the you know insurrection one obviously your whole first piece there was kind of debunking that whole narrative and the governing bodies who should be the ones overseeing if there was going to be any kind of a ruling on it that's congress in regards to the president and donald trump and then in like the you know the special documents case it's it just seems like in the beginning there was a lot of rumors and hearsay donald trump told me this he may have showed me that oh it turns out it was a newspaper article but <laughs> You know, now that we've seen Judge Cannon kind of have uh, plenty of time to have everybody present their case, she kind of is in the same demographic of you and and in the same opinion as well of like, okay, this is not, number one, an emergency. Number two, this is not like something that's going to hinge on the survival of our republic. So let's pump the brakes and do this the right way if you still want to continue it. And if it doesn't happen before primaries or even the general election, then that's the way the legal process, you know, kind of ships out.
6: Yeah, I mean, they they sat on this for – literally years and tr- tr- they it's obvious that they did try to time it for the election but that w- really hinged on i mean look they, they simply didn't count on judge cannon that you know they why they thought that they would be able to get the dc a district of dc type treatment where you know basically whatever prosecutors want on J6 related litigation or Trump related litigation, they get, Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, Uh, but they, and I'll tell you something else. I mean, having litigated many times in the Southern district of Florida, I can tell you it, the, the mix of judges there is quite, quite, um, how shall I put it? Um, Politely. It's it's quite a fascinating selection in terms of quality, background, uh, rigorousness. So, I, you know, they might have been figuring that they've got probably something close to a 50% chance of not getting a Republican uh, appointed judge in these highly political cases. And I, they guessed wrong.
3: Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Jack Smith, historically— oh, right. historically, you know, as a follow-up, there's been kind of a process ease in regards to appointing special counsels. They're usually a lot more of a blockbuster thing other than, you know, the, the Crypt Keeper body double Merrick Garland coming out there and just being pissed off that he didn't get elected to the Supreme Court and is a revenge hire for the Biden administration. But, you know, you usually have to go through a couple congressional routes. And then when you look at the track record of Jack Smith, the way he's kind of prosecuted and persecuted conservatives in the past and his failure rate at the Supreme Court. It seems like obviously this is very politically motivated, but at the end of the day, is there a fight there to say that Jack Smith might've been illegally or or just inappropriately appointed to be the head of these special counsels and given such awesome law enforcement capabilities?
6: So that's something, frankly, I have seen people say, and it's intriguing. Uh, you know, unfortunately, You know, we've reached a point where this Justice Department does things without really any regard for procedure or fairness or rules or protocol. It does what it wants. There is no accountability for the decisions that it takes or for the damage that it does. Do I know for sure? I think you'd need to ask that question to someone who would really look closely into special counsel. Um, pr- you know, uh, protocols and procedures, which 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 I'm I'm not that person, but I do know that it's a no downside move for the Justice Department because the worst thing that happens to them, in theory, is that I, I you know, in theory, you could imagine that after years of litigation and imposing, you know, un unmeasurable unmeasurable immeasurable political cost on the Trump campaign and millions and millions of dollars in expense on his defense, it is theoretically possible that a court could find on appeal that the entire prosecution was indeed uh, statutorily deficient, and that that statutory deficiency mattered, and that in theory it might have to go back to square one. And would that qualify if it did as... Uh, as um double jeopardy if if he were re prosecuted i don't know but the the idea here is not really to imprison donald trump although i'm sure that that would be considered to be you know the ultimate reward but the idea is really to to prevent him from running much less become being elected president and if that were to happen and even if they were not would were to lose the uh, any conviction that they might obtain. No one's going to be fired. No one's going to. In fact, these people only become heroes, and they yep. become appointed to high office in the next administration. Look at you know Ray. Look at these all these other scumbags. So.
3: Yeah, look at Merrick Garland's right-hand woman, Lisa Monaco. Now she's starting to do media appearances and and run disinformation for the regime as well. Ron, it's been awesome sitting down with you today. We love when you come on and provide a little commentary for us here on the show. We're obviously going to be live-linking your podcast. The YouTube channel, we know, is your preference in the show description today. But for anybody who wants to follow you on social media, check out all the great work you're doing. Where can they find you?
6: Best place is to go to Ron Coleman on X, R-O-N-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. Ron Coleman on X. That's where I am. That's where I'll be.
3: This guy's doing a lot of great work over at the Dylan Law Group. He's also thanks, the host of the Culmination. Mr. Ron Coleman, thanks for joining us. Have a very happy new year. See ya. Guys, we're coming back with another all new edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. So sit back, relax, and let us change the way you consume your news.